This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Okay, so I have two disclaimers for you guys. The first one is uh, Sunday, uh, we celebrated these two special women's life, their birthdays. They'll be really mad if I call them out, so I won't, but happy birthday, Addie. Um, <laughs> so we, we ended up going to uh, a Maverick City worship concert out in uh, Fairfax on Sunday, and, uh, and I lost my voice. I was worshiping real hard and yelling real hard. Uh, so if I sound weird, it's because I lost my voice. You guys still cool with me? Do you guys still accept me? Okay, cool. Just PC. That's cool. I just I only need Pastor Kathy, and we're good. No, I'm just playing. I need you guys. Uh, so, do you guys accept me yes. with feedback and everything? I love it. So, what we're gonna do is uh, my other disclaimer. Okay, um, if you're listening to online, if you're listening on the audio, and you have little kids with you, uh, and it's a real hard conversation to have with them about adult things, I would pause it or put some headphones on, listen to it later. If you're here and any of this triggers you in any way, don't worry about it. We have a faculty here. We have staff here. We have pastors here. We have elders here. We have prophets here. We have apostles here. We have pastors here. What don't we have, right? And they're going to be able to minister with you at the end. Is that okay? Okay, cool. I just had to say it because I love you guys. I love you. Thank you so much. I love you. You're good to me. So I think it's always hard to like, start my teachings, because there's so many different ways that we can go. <clears throat> I think the, the first way I love starting my teachings is by my testimony, because I actually wouldn't be here standing in front of you if it wasn't for God, if it wasn't for Jesus, if it wasn't for Holy Spirit, and what they did in my life. Um, I won't bore you with the whole story, but, but when I was 17 or 18, I was in a real toxic relationship with this girl that I ended up marrying after getting healed, and, uh, and not toxic no more. We're healed, got counseling, all that good jazz. That's the Lord right there. So, but when I was 17 or 18, I was super depressed. And I'll tell you the backstory of how I ended up being depressed. Uh, I thought I was hopeless in my life. I had no purpose in my life. The only thing I would do is drugs, alcohol, and manipulate women. That was my three things that I would do. And it got to the point where none of that would satisfy me anymore. None of that would make me feel good. If anything, it actually left me even more empty. Like I was good for like 30 seconds, bless you. And then, then I was just even more depressed. Anybody been there before? Don't raise your hand. Okay, cool. I love your honesty. So, but when I was 17, 18 years old, I ended up uh, here at this church and I was so thrown off because down where the youth is, where your middle schoolers are, there's no podiums. There's no... There's no seats. There's no fuels. So I was like, what? Like, I can't worship this God that's trying to kill me uh, without these things. Like, I can't kneel down. And, uh, and next thing you know, they're playing, like, good music. You know, they're playing, like, on the piano and guitar and drums. And, and I'm like, where are all the falsetto, the I might say it wrong, the falsettos? The people with the high voice? Matt, is that right? Did I say it right? Oh, I said it right. Let's go, Jesus. I love you. you know, with the high voice and the hymns, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just that's what I was used to. I was used about learning about a God that wants to kill me every time I would think a bad thought or do a bad thing. So my whole mindset, which is wrong, was if he's going to kill me, might as well have fun before I die and go to hell, right? I come to this church, and they talk about this God that loves me. And I was so confused because it's like he loves you no matter what you did in your past, what you're going to do. He loves you. He actually died for you while you were still his enemies. And that just... Like, it didn't make sense. It didn't help that the guy was like, you're a bride of Christ. 
I was like, bro, I like women. Like, I'm not a dude. Like, I mean, I'm not a girl. Like, that's weird. And then um, it got to the point where one night, it was beautiful worship just like this. And we were in the sanctuary. Nobody prayed for me. And that night, I was actually going to go home and kill myself. I had a plan ready. I was ready to take it. And, and I go, I, I go uh, to this place. It was a Tuesday night at the time. And I was ready to kill myself. And I go in there. I go in front of God. And I'm like, okay, I heard about you. <laughs> I heard about this dude that loves me, that wants me to be his bride for whatever reason, whatever that means. And I don't want my life. So do you want it? And I actually said the F word. I was like, God, here's my life. F it. Here you go. And that was my prayer of salvation. The most non-religious thing ever, right? Which I was taught the only way you do it is if you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Which is true, right? Like, he, I needed saving. He saved me, right? The minute that I said that, I was like, here's my life. The minute I said that, depression just left. Anxiety just left. The thought of wanting to kill myself just left. I can't explain to you why that happened. The heavens didn't open. It just, I felt good. I felt satisfied. Anybody been there before? He's a good God. I did everything wrong, and he was like, you're perfect. And I was like, whoa, I don't deserve this. And so that's kind of been my mindset since I was 17. I'm 27 now. So for the last 10 years, that has been my mindset. I was supposed to die when I was 17. So every day that I wake up, every time I get to do anything that God wants to do, who am I to complain? I was supposed to be dead. That's just the way I think. When it comes to hearing the voice of God, it's so easy for me because it's, I knew my thoughts led to death. So if it's a good thought, it must be God. Simple, right? Oh, you guys can't hear me? Okay, cool. If you can't hear me, blink. Good job. Hold your eyes open. (laughs) Is this better? Okay. Am I too loud? Am I scaring you? Too loud. All right, tell me when. How about now? Can you hear me now? How about right here? Okay, quick. E equals MC squared divided by pi. I found it. This is the spot right here. Okay, I almost said an office joke, but it's okay. Okay, so, oh yeah, I was going to kill myself, and now I'm here, talking to you guys. Yay. So everything that I share with you guys is just my day-to-day encounter with God, okay? It's just what I find in Scripture, what I go through in life with Him, and God just writes it down, I put it on notes, and I share it with you guys, okay? So what I'm sharing with you guys is an intimate part of my heart, okay? And it's not so you guys can look at me and think I'm a superstar or not be a superstar, I want to do it because if I'm able with my message to set you free the same way that this guy was able to set me free by saying that God loves me and that he wants me to be his bride, I want to be able to do the same thing for you. Are you guys with me? You know why? Because I love you. For no reason. The same reason that he loves me. For no reason. Isn't that a good God? Oh, come on. Just the two of us? Where's everybody else at? Come on. Amen. Oh, I'm so loud you can't hear me. That's so cute. I love you. <clears throat> okay, so I know where we're going to start. I love what Mr. Kevin, uh, Elder Kevin, did today about the needs and agreement. Um, I'm going to be vulnerable and share with you guys what my need was. Is that okay? Okay, cool. I know I don't have to, but you guys are my family. I want to. So my need was this. My dad, oh, beautiful man. I love this dude. He's actually my stepdad, okay? When I was four years old, he married my mom and took me in. He didn't have to. He could have left. He could have been like, I only want you and not your boy. Leave him over there in Guatemala because I'm from Guatemala. And, uh, but instead, he was like, bring him to the States. I'm going to father him. Right? He's a good guy. I love him so much. So uh, within the last year, he's been diagnosed with 
a problem in his lungs. I'm probably going to say it wrong, but it's like cystic fibrosis. And what they can tell is that he has scar tissue inside of his lung and it's constantly deteriorating, right? Uh, I don't believe in that because I know if God was able to hear my depression, anxiety, and suicide in a second, he can heal him, right? Uh, are you guys with me? Yeah. Okay, good. Yay, I love that. So, so last week I called him, and I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I know the right Christian thing is like, we're always ready. We're always happy, right? Like, everything's good. Like, I'm always interceding for him, and there's nothing bad. We never have a bad thought, right? Am I the only one that thinks that? There's like these two voices in my head. One is like, we know God is good, and the other one's like, but what happens if, right? So last week, he always answers my phone call. This is what we do. We call each other on the phone. Um, and I called him last week, and he didn't answer. And I want to tell you that I was a good Christian, and I didn't go to fear, <laughs> and I didn't go to praying for him, but I did. I started praying, interceding for him. I was like, God, please, God, please. It didn't help that my little brother didn't answer me, <laughs> and they lived together, and he didn't answer me, so I was real sad face. So what I ended up doing was I kind of forgot about it, and I would just intercede and wait for them to call. And my mom called me today, and she was like, hey, I haven't heard from your brother. I've called him three times. And I was like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Okay, cool. That's cool. We're going to make this work. So I go outside. Thank you. I go outside, and I call my brother. He didn't answer. I call my dad. He didn't answer. So I group messaged them, and I was like, y'all better call me, like, right now. I'm not playing. And they called me like that. <laughs> I don't know why. It took forever for them to call me. So they end up calling me, and... Um, and I'm sitting down, and, and, I'm, and I'm talking to my dad, and I'm like, what's up, Pops? Like, why didn't you call me? What happened last week? He's like, I had to go to the hospital. And he said that any inconvenience, like, if he catches a cold, it's actually 100 times worse on him, is what he was saying, the doctors were saying. So he had to go straight to the ER room. And, uh, but he's like, I'm fine now. I'm good. I'm good to go. Like, I'm, I feel a lot better. I'm going to go find a better job, all this fun stuff. And I called my little brother, and he was like, oh, yeah, dad just went to the hospital, uh, but he's better now. And... I was sitting there, and all I could think about was how happy I was that God put this message I'm going to share with you guys. Because those moments, I know old Rafa, past Rafa, would have been freaking out right now. Wanted to control the situation, but not even control the situation, but be angry that I cannot control the situation with my own hands. Like, I wish I can go and I don't know if you know, but JR and I, Pastor JR and I, we're carpenters, and I wish I can go and just make him a lung. Or two lungs and put it inside of him. You know, I wish I can go and like give him mouth to mouth and like breathe life into his lungs and make it go away. And, and so, so what ends up coming out of me is anger because I can't control something. Am I the only one that, that, that sometimes lashes out, sometimes has an anger problem because they're trying to control something and they can't? Just the two of us. Hmm. Right? So, so what I'm going to share with you is, is, is this thing that I just learned with God. And it started like this. It actually started in the sanctuary a couple weeks ago. And uh, don't look up, but I was replacing the tile um, up, up here. Uh, it had little drippy stains on it, which happens. You know what I mean? Our building is good in Jesus' name. Uh, but I had to replace a lot of tile. And I was up there. I was like on a 12-foot ladder. I know the ceilings don't look. You guys can look up now. The ceilings don't look that high, right? Like. But I need a giant ladder up there. Like, we have this lady on staff that if she sees me on the ladder, she gets woozy. It's so cute. I just love it. It's so funny. I'm like, I'm getting up. All right. So, uh, <laughs> just love her because we can mess like that. We're family. Okay. So, anyways, I was up there and, and of course, I had to put a teaching, right? Who listens to teachings? Come on. Uh, I was listening to this teaching and this teacher that I really love, he's awesome. He was uh, being interviewed 
And he said this one comment that made me really mad. And it's ironic because he was talking about anger. And he said he hasn't had an outburst of anger in over 40 years. Right? I said, I want that. Like, bro, you better come pray for me. No wonder you're famous. Like, no wonder. And I'm not going to lie, I got really mad immediately right there. <laughs> I just got mad. I was like, he's a liar. He's also Hispanic. So I know, I know this man is mad. You know, and he has two kids and a wife. I'm like, okay, you're a liar, bro. So, so this is the part that got me real mad, right? I was still up there. I was changing the, it didn't help that I was moving tiles and I was breathing the, all this bad stuff. And sweating, sweating for the goodness of God. And, um, and he was like, when you have an outburst of anger, the reason that you have an outburst of anger, he was just saying, this is his revelation, is because you're looking for control. You're looking for power. And you feel like using anger is powerful. But really, it just shows how powerless you are because you allowed anger to take over. You want to talk about me being angry? Like, I, was, I, got, I never got down that ladder real fast. That lady would have been scared. She would have passed out if she saw how fast I came down that ladder. And, 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 uh, but, but you know what? My heart was open to receive. You know, I was like, okay, God, this is how I feel. What do you want to say about this? And he was like, I'm so glad. I'm so happy you, you took a second to stop being angry and invited me into the situation. Right? Because if God can meet me in this place where we worship him, he can meet me when I'm replacing tile. He can meet me when I'm expressing my emotions. He can meet me before and after I did something I regretted doing. He can meet me when I'm sweating. He can meet me when I'm sitting down. He can meet me when I have a flannel or don't have a flannel. Are you guys with me? And I had a flannel that day. So I'm sitting down and I'm like, all right, God, let's talk about it, man. Like, let's be real. And uh, I'm happy I said yes, but the process behind it was hard. Okay. Because as I'm, and this is where the trigger warning comes. Okay. So as we're processing this, I was like, what's the question I should ask you, Holy Spirit? And Holy Spirit was like, ask me when you lost hope in me. Ask me when you lost hope in yourself. The word hope. Say hope. hope. Say hope. hope. Nice. And he was like, this is when you felt the most powerless. And he took me back. He took me back to when uh, my mom and my dad, this guy that I was telling you about, came from Guatemala, right, which is in Central America, to the United States. They came here legally. Disclaimer, we're legal. We're good. We're citizens. Amen. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? amen? All right. So thank God. So we came there. The thing is, we started from nothing. We literally had nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. My dad had a job, which was good. My mom was looking for a job. I didn't even speak English. I knew yes and no. Um, I had started kindergarten my first day, and I remember walking in there, and the kids were asking me questions because I was a new kid, and I was like, yes, no, yes. No. They could have been like, is your name Bob? Yes. And they're like, do you, do you like toys? No. Are you hungry? Yes. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so that's what happens when we came. The thing is, we, my family had to live in... Okay, so we lived in an apartment. Everybody knows what an apartment is, right? So we had, there was two bedrooms in that apartment. We didn't own the apartment. We rented a one-bedroom of the two-bedroom apartment. Are you guys with me? Just trying to paint a picture. So in that little bedroom, it was just uh, my, my parents' bed that we shared. We had a little TV uh, and all my toys that I got from Burger King and, and McDonald's. You guys know the Happy Meals? Man, those chicken nuggets, mm, they're so good. And, uh, and all the toys, right? Those were all the toys that I had, right? And, um, and we stayed there for a long time. We couldn't use the kitchen. I think we had, you know, we were able to use the bathroom or whatever. Um, but what ended up happening was there was a fallout between that family and mine. They actually got into an argument. 
And the head of the house, he was like, you got to leave. And so it was either we go and sleep under a bridge in D.C. and be homeless, or we move in with another friend that my dad knew that he was working with. And uh, in the goodness of my parents, we're like, we're going to go over there. But the situation got worse because we ended up sleeping in the living room. So we're literally behind the couch. So imagine a couch. We're behind the couch. And the only thing that's back there is my parents, uh, my mattress with my parents, a little TV that we can't plug in, uh, and all my Burger King and McDonald's toys. Right? That's all we had. And we were just trying to stay there until we got on our feet. The family were so sweet. One of the sweetest people ever. I remember, like, they threw parties. We would have fun with them. Are you guys still with me? Am I boring you? Okay, cool. So, uh, yes, ma'am. So, uh, they throw parties. They're really sweet, right? And they were like, hey, we have an extra bedroom where our son sleeps. Like, how about your dad sleeps in there? My dad, right? And because he works construction, he needs to get his strength up, like, so he can work harder and make more money so we can get out of there. And my dad, out of the goodness of his heart, he was like, no, this is too traumatic for my son, Rafa. Like, it's too traumatic for him. How about he gets to bed, he sleeps good every night, he goes to school, he comes back home. At least he has a sense of normally, normalcy, right? So, out of the goodness of my parents' heart, they put me in that room. What they didn't know was that that young man that was there would actually molest me every single night that I was there. And I can't remember how long we were there, but I knew it happened every night. And... What ended up happening was I'm in the sanctuary right here, kind of where Miss Heather is, Mr. Kevin is, like that area. And I'm sitting there going through all these emotions, going through all these feelings. And, uh, and it's crazy because I actually got sozoed for it before. If you know what sozo is, you sit with somebody, we have an encounter with God. They bring up Holy Spirit, God, and Jesus, and he leads you through memories where you had trauma so you can be healed, saved, and delivered. And, uh, and the reason that I was womanizing people was because of that. Of that happened. That was that was the root that happened in my sozo. Are you guys with me? This is making sense. Okay. So in this in this session, I remember the guy was there. I was there. At this point, I'm 18. I'm in the army. You know, so I'm a man, man. Uh, I like meat. I like steak, ribeye, yeah. Uh, medium rare or rare. Yeah, come on. Okay. So um, so I'm sitting there. He's he's sozoing me. I'm on his couch, and that came up, and it just it just showed up in the memory. And, I, and it was like a giant web, and I had all these soul ties, right, all these connections to these women. And, um, and, and the one web was that night, or those nights that I would get molested. And when it came up, I had to say it out loud. I looked at him, and I opened up my eyes. I was like, forget this encounter. I opened up my eyes. I was like, you, look at me. Look at me right here. This never leaves this room. You hear me? This conversation never leaves this room. What I'm about to share with you, if I find out you told anybody, I'm going to be real offended and I'm leaving this church forever. I'm never coming back. And he was like, okay. Okay. And then I shared with him. I was like, this is what happened. And the minute that I said that, we invited God. And the whole web fell apart. And all my soul ties fell apart. And I actually felt whole again in me. And I never lusted after that. Isn't that awesome? Oh, that's really cool how God works. But the thing was, now I'm sitting in the sanctuary years later, right? Like, that happened when I was 19 or 18, and then I was born again, got sozoed, and here I am, like, a month ago or two weeks ago, sitting here in the sanctuary reliving this emotion. And I was like, but the crazy part is that I felt shame and guilt, which is so sad, because I was five. I had no control over that. You know what I mean? So here I am at 27, and shame and guilt and condemnation is knocking in my face, saying, like, you, this is how you should be feeling right now, because this happened to you. Are you not a man? 
right? I'm just being real with you guys. These were the thoughts that were coming at me, right? Am I the only one that gets negative thoughts? Like, okay, cool. I feel so much better. So, so I'm there, and, and, and these negative thoughts are hitting me and knocking on my face. And, and Holy Spirit was like, if you don't embrace this now, if you don't embrace this now, we won't be able to create anything beautiful with it. And I was like, all right, all right, bro. I was like, me and God, we talk like this. I was like, look, bro, if you're going to make me feel these emotions again, or if you want me to go down this journey again, I'm going to ask you a hard question. And God was like, absolutely. I was like, why did you let it happen? Right? I know, I know it's a hard question, right? We don't like talking about that. Especially in my old religion, it was like, you don't question God. God gives and he takes away. And, but I know my dad, my dad loves questions. My dad loves when I'm real with him. My dad, my dad loves when I'm open with him and I ask him hard questions. Like, even in Hebrews, we read today, and it was like that Jesus sat at the right hand of the Father. And I'm like, why not the left? Like, why the right? You know, we talk about footstools, and I'm like, why footstools? Like, why not jumping jacks? I don't know. You know, like, these are just the thoughts that I get. You know, and Jesus laughs, and he's like, oh, yeah, don't worry. Right hand means authority and power, and that's why he sits there. And then footstools is a place of rest. That's why he's there. And I'm like, you're such a good dad. You answer my questions. You okay with me asking you questions, and you answer back to me? Is that not good news? Okay, cool. I know it's heavy, but there's power and freedom in it, okay? Just the disclaimer, just letting you know, I'm alive right now. I went to Maverick City concert, and I'm preaching to you guys. Isn't that good? So I know it's heavy and it's power, bringing stuff up in your heart. It's okay. Do what I did in that sanctuary and invite Holy Spirit. You guys with me? Can I get a woo-woo? All right, it feels way lighter in here. I love that. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so I'm inviting Holy Spirit into this moment, and I ask him that question. And it was really sweet because in like no time, Holy Spirit was like, this revelation is for your heart and your heart only. And I was like, absolutely, God, thank you. And he was like, the reason that it kept happening every night was because the way that I operate is people have free will. But I use people that will listen to my voice to come and do the things that I want them to do. And we talked about this last time I taught, that is the foolishness of God that's greater than the wisdom of the world. And there's times when you might think it's a stupid thought that you're having or a foolish thought that you're having, but really, that's the power of God. And God wants you to move, and God wants you to change somebody's life. Are you guys with me? And no condemnation. We'll get into that. That's Romans 8 right there. But what he was showing me was that my parents were in the living room as this was happening. And God, like the picture he gave me was beautiful. God was yelling like a father, yelling, telling them, wake up, wake up up wake up just yelling at my family to wake up go and check the room just go and check on him okay go give him a good night kiss okay go and hold him go and tell him that you love him go and tell him that this isn't going to happen anymore go and tell him that you like like living in that apartment right and and what god was telling me was that he was doing his part he was yelling but my parents rightfully so had hardened their heart towards god Because they were taught a message that God only wants to hurt you, (laughs) that God only wants to kill you, and he only wants you to send you to hell if you have a bad thought. And so they hardened their hearts. And this is just between you and God, okay? Because there's power in this, because it's not meant for you to be selfish. It's meant for, when when you have God living inside of you, it's not just for you. You know, so you can go and change the world. Okay, when you worship God and you get filled and you get the tinglys and you feel free, it's so you can go and set other people free. Are you guys with me? Right? We don't come to church so we can feel good. We come to church so we can feel good and make other people feel good. 
so we can soften our hearts to hear the voice of God, so we can do the things that he wants to do, because you might be changing somebody's life, a kid who's been molested. Are you guys with me? There's power in the voice of God. There's power in the goodness of God. There's power in the worship of God. There's power in in having your heart soft and feeling uncomfortable and going through the emotions that God wants you to feel. Are you guys with me? Can I get an amen? Amen. I love you guys so much. So so God was showing me that, right? And, and, And it was really awesome because I didn't hate my parents for it. Like, I didn't have to be like, okay, God, I forgive them now. No, it wasn't like that. It was like, I get it. Because after I was molested, I closed my heart off. No wonder I led to suicide. No wonder I led to depression. No wonder I led to anxiety. Are you guys still with me? Okay. So this is where we're going with this, okay? We're going to read Romans 8, okay? New King James. It's really funny. Can I be funny with you guys? I was like, God, I'm never going to read King James or New King James because I don't understand it. I was like, I'm only ever going to read NLT, The Message, The Passion, NIV, all, all those passages, The Amplified. I can understand those. Next thing you know, somebody gifted me this New King James Bible like two years ago, and I've been reading it ever since. And then somebody just gifted me this brand new King James Bible. <laughs> and I was like, all right, God, well, I'm never going to read King James because I don't understand it. I don't understand the D, the vows, the vows. Next thing you know, I get this brand new Bible, and I'm like, I guess we're going to read the King James. And, and I've been missing out, man. I've been missing out on the King James and New King James. Uh, but I've been getting a lot of revelation out of New King James. Can I get an amen? God's good, man. Who, like, who would write a book? Like, uh, okay, we'll get into that another time. He's just a good daddy, man. All right, we're going to start at verse, Romans 8, verse 1. Here we go. So what I want to do is, uh, obviously, I'm painting a picture here, but I also want to expand on some words that are here, right? I, I, I want to give you guys the definition of the words because the picture that God gave me is our hearts. Every time we understand a word better, we can grasp a better identity of God. So it's like our hearts, when we receive a word from God, our hearts create these little hands to hold on to revelations that God wants to give us. So these, these pictures and these words that, that we're going to paint and define isn't for the sake of defining and doing them because we sound good and we sound sophisticated. It's, it's the fact that we grow these little hands in our heart to be like, oh, there's, I know my daddy better. I can invite my daddy here better. I can invite him better into my heart right here. Are you guys with me? Okay, cool. Here we go. So Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh. So I really want to, I, I almost said this podcast thing. I want to take the roof off flesh, okay? I want to, I want to, I want to, uh, this is my biggest thing, okay? I stop pretending I know words just because I hear them so much, Okay? Like, I know we're really good about, we say the word over and over again, or we hear it over and over again, and we're like, oh, yeah, like, I know what that means. No, you don't. Look it up. It's okay. Like, we're going to be all right. That's just my heart and where I'm at, okay? So, who do not walk according to the flesh. I was reading this book by E.W. Kenyon called New Creation Realities, and I love what he said, flesh, because he said senses. It's the five senses, which made me feel so much better, because I'm like, God, you saved this body. You love this body. You love this flesh. Like, we run at five in the morning, two miles, because you love this flesh, like, I don't understand what's wrong with me. Like, what's wrong with my bicep? What's wrong with my thigh? Like, you love that thing. And then understanding, like, five senses, I was like, oh, that makes more sense. Like, like if I want a cheeseburger and I smell a cheeseburger, you ain't going to stop me from getting this cheeseburger. So the flesh is powerful. The senses are powerful. Are you guys with me? Or if I want some bubble tea and I know it's right there, I'm going to run for this. Bu- oh, talk about some cheesecake. Okay, don't get me started on this cheese pie. Come on. <laughs> Are you guys good? You guys still with me? 
Okay, I know it's late, but we're doing good. Who do not walk according to the senses, but according to the Spirit. Verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life, say life, in Christ Jesus has made me free. Say made me free. Say it like you mean it. Made me free. From the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the senses or the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful senses or flesh on account of sin. He condemns sin in the flesh or the senses that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the senses, but according to the spirit. Say, I am walking in the spirit. Say it like you do it every day. That's right. Come on. I like that. More natural. For those who live according to the senses set their minds on the things of the flesh. Sorry, that was verse, what are we at? Verse 5? Man, that's a lot from there for 5. For those who live according to the flesh, through the senses, set their minds on the things of the senses. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. Verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind or the senses is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So, I mean, it makes sense, right? God can't stop me from getting this cheeseburger. I'm getting it. Extra fries, extra pickles, extra mayo. Mm. Jesus. Sorry, guys. Break that. In Jesus' name, we break that right now. In Jesus' name. Salad, Lord, salad. (laughs) Excuse me. So then those who are in the senses cannot please God. Oh, Jesus, I love you. But you, say me, are not in the senses. But in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, say he dwells in me. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life, say life, because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, say Jesus dwells in me. Say it like you mean it. Yay. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life, say life, to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. First, I just want to let you know, it sounds like my dad, like Father God, gives only life. I mean, according to Romans 8, what Paul just wrote, that's what I heard, okay? Verse 12, because, uh, because of all this, that's why I like the word therefore, it's because of all that. Because of all this, brethren, we are debtors not to the senses to live according to the senses. For if you live according to the senses, you will die. Come on, man. Too many cheeseburgers is over for me. Come on. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Say amen. Amen. Here's the part. Here's my point. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That's verse 14. We're going to stop right there because I want to break down that word sons. Because I really love that word sons. You know, we say it so much and I'm like, yeah, I'm a son. I'm a son. I'm a son. What does it mean to be a son? Well, God actually created you to be a son. And I looked up the word son in the Greek and actually is the one who depends on another or is his follower. I'm going to say it again after I drink some water. Ponder on that. You guys still with me? Okay, so a son is one who depends on another. Okay, that's what a son is. Or a follower. Not good. So God created us to all be sons, to all, I mean, you can say daughter too, but the point is we've all been created to depend on another. When God made Adam in the garden, he created him to depend on him or the ability to depend. Are you guys with me? So 
what God's saying is that he wants us to be dependent on the spirit and not our senses. Are you guys still with me? All right, verse 14. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God or dependent or followers of God. Here's my favorite part right here. Underline this, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Right? Everybody loves that. Everybody loves to sing that song, Abba. Right? We all love singing that song. I looked up the word Abba and I looked up the word Father. Because if I'm a son, I need to know who I'm supposed to be depending on. Can I get an amen? I mean, it would be really weird like if my dad's like, I adopted you and I'm like, who are you? What are you doing here? Uh, I don't know you. Right? It's really weird. I'm like, where are you from? I remember that too. I came out the airport and he was like, I'm your dad. And I was like, no, you're not. I was like, you don't look like me. Like, I look a little Chinese. Like, you look white. Like, he really does look white. Like, he, like, is white, has green eyes. Like, if he doesn't speak, you think he's white. And, uh, and, I, and I go up to him. I'm like, you're not my dad. I can't imagine what that did to his heart. Sorry, I don't mean process that with you guys. But, like, he was there, and he was like, I'm your son now. And I'm like, no, you're not. You don't look like me. And then I was like, well, if I don't know who you are, who the heck are you? And I was talking to my mom. And my mom's like, I'm, I'm your mom. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know you guys yet. What's your name? He's like, Hedion or Jirion. I was like, okay, you're Jirion. What about you, lady? What's your name? And she was like, Claudia. And I'm like, all right, Claudia, Jirion, let's go to McDonald's. I heard there's McDonald's here. Like, let's go eat. And that was my first time meeting them, right? But it's really funny because, like, we should be the same way with Father God, right? He's like, hey, you're my son now. And you're like, okay, who are you? What do you do? Am I with you? Are you guys with me? It's okay to ask those questions, right? Like, who are you? What did you do for me? Oh, oh, I'm just, let me tell you about Jesus. Oh, we're going to get to Jesus. We're going to get there. Come on, we're going to get there. Maybe. 15 minutes. So don't look at the clock. All right. Um, so you guys still with me? So I looked up the word Abba, and I looked up the word Father. So Abba literally just means Father. And so the first time I looked up Abba, and I was like, it means Father? And I was like, Paul. Okay, this might be blasphemy, but I'm just going to be real. I already said I got molested. I can say whatever I want to you guys. So Abba was like Father, and then Father. And I'm like, Paul, what's wrong with you, bro? Like, did you have daddy issues? Like, why Father, Father? Like, that never made sense to me. I'm like, why are you saying Father, Father? And I was like, are you trying to emphasize something? Are you trying to say something like that? And I looked up the word father. And father actually means transmitter or originator. So that word father next to Abba means transmitter or originator. So what Paul is really saying here is by whom we cry out, Abba, my intimate father. And then he says, my originator, the person that transmits everything good to me. Everything that creation comes, like, everything that he creates that's good is to me, because I am a son, because I'm a believer, because I'm a follower, because I depend on the one that loves to transmit life. Are you guys with me? Say life. Because I want to be with the guy that gives me peace, the guy that doesn't lead me back to bondage, the guy that, even though I got molested, he's able to look at me when I'm 18 and be like, you're worth better than that. I know why you are, why you are where you are right now. And it's because this happened to you. But you know what? We're going to use that opportunity. We're going to create something beautiful. And in 10 years, you're going to stand in front of people that don't really know you. And you're going to tell them how much you love them. You're going to tell them how much God loves them. You're going to tell them that no matter what their circumstances are, God is bigger than that. Even if if you don't think highly of yourself right now, God is still with you. He is still your Abba. He is still your originator. He is still your transmitter. Will you allow him to be your father? Will you allow him to transmit life to you, to create, to originate something beautiful in your life? 
So I looked up the word transmitter, and it means pass on from person to person. Or originator is a person who creates. <laughs> so, we're going to keep going. Are you guys still okay? Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with... Well, oh, i got to reread 14. Is that okay, Vanjie? You got me. I love you. All right. For as many... Now that we understand what Son and Abba Father means... We can really let this hit our heart. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, the transmitter and originator. The Spirit himself bears witness, verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And of children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed, here's the suffer part. We hate talking about this, but we got to understand the world that we live in. They're suffering. Okay? I don't think it's God's idea. It never was God's idea. <laughs> there was a guy that was led by his senses. Saw a cheeseburger on the tree, listening to the wrong father, and bit it, and created suffering and emptiness. Are you guys still with me? Okay. If indeed we suffer with him, and this is where God shows up, that we may also be glorified together. Are you guys still okay? Okay. Verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings, oh my gosh. This is good news right here. For I consider, 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, say this present time, come on, say this present time, are not worthy, say it, are not worthy, are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I didn't become set free from depression and anxiety when I got to heaven. He did it while I was here on earth. So I think he revealed something in me, right? Even though I was considered, even though I considered that the sufferings of that present time, I didn't know that they weren't worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Are you guys still with me? For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. That's you. But here's my next point. Verse 20. Are you guys still bored? It was a trick question. Good job. Here we go. So verse 20, this is really big. This is actually where the whole message came from. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him, which is Adam, who subjected in hope. And, um, and, and this is where God started showing me that there's actual power and hope. And I always thought hope was a, like, holy good stuff. You know, it's like good stuff. Yeah, we're hoping. I think it was Star Wars, you know, Brand New Hope and, and all that fun stuff, you know. So I was like, hope's always a good thing. But hope is just a catalyst. Hope is, is the same thing that God put in us equivalent to sonship, right? The ability to use this thing to create something, right? So sonship is the one who depends on another. But then God uses us through the power of hope to create something, right? Are you guys still with me? So I looked up the word hope because I stopped pretending a new words that I never looked up. And hope is a constant expectation of an unseen reality. 
Say it again. Hope is a constant expectation of an unseen reality. Not crazy. So no wonder it makes sense. Like we don't need a hope for something if it's already a reality, right? But it makes sense how Adam cursed the world. Futility actually means devoided of truth and emptiness. That's what that means. So Adam actually used the power of hope that he was using with the right father, with God, to create this garden, to name all the animals, to affirm his wife, to give identity to his wife. Come on. But then he used that same power with the wrong father to create emptiness, to create suffering, to be devoid of the truth. Isn't that crazy? Using the power of the other word God gave me was visualizing. You know what visualizing means? Make visible to the eye. Right? So I think my question to you right now is like, what are you hoping for? What are you visualizing? What are you making visible to your eye? Are you visualizing death? Are you visualizing life? I think those are really important questions because it's like, what father are you teaming up with? What father are you co-laboring with? I know there's a father, and he's called the father of lies, the transmitter, the one that originates, the one that creates lies and deceitfulness and pain and suffering. Is he partnering? Are you using your hope with him to create more after its own kind? Or are you partnering with God to create life? Are you guys with me? Is it hitting home? Because it rocked me. And so for me, sitting there in that, that sanctuary, going through the times that I was molested, and, and enduring this, you know, going through those emotions. And I think that's why we never really, we dismiss God in those moments. Because I was feeling shame and condemnation, and I know who that father is, and he was right there. Because I could feel that. I could feel that bondage again. And you want to know how I know it was bondage? Because I was never going to be set free from that. I wasn't going to be able to create something beautiful. There would be no teaching tonight if I listened to that shame, guilt, and condemnation. If I stopped right there because I felt uncomfortable, because I was holding back the tears. Thank God that Jesus wept. <laughs> the most manliest man. I imagine him with like a six pack, you know, and like Bill. I mean, he had to carry that cross, right? I mean, he had to carry that cross. He had to walk everywhere. I'm sure his calves look good, you know, like that's what I'm trying to be. God, did you eat cheeseburger? Okay. All right. So <laughs> it was just a joke. So, but he wept. So that means that like he has emotions. That means he had senses, but he wasn't subject to them. He didn't let them rule his life. He always invited Holy Spirit into those moments where he felt that way. Are you guys with me? Yeah. Okay. So the word that God gave me is I was processing this. I was, I was like, Holy Spirit, you better come. And I knew he was there because I was able to, I felt confident to ask him a question. And then he responded. And I felt better. I was like, cool. My parents, they're cool. It would have been a different story if he was like, no, they knew and they let it happen. Like, no, they're good people. Like, they didn't want that. Bless you. Love you. So... So what ended up happening there, I was, God was like, that's where you first became hopeless. You put your hope in the wrong thing. That's where you felt powerless. And you really didn't know because you were too young to, to understand this, to process this. But by the time you were 11 or 12, no wonder you were doing things after that situation. Right? So there's a word that we use in church a lot, and it's called being a victim. Right? And... and and the, the way that I was raised was I was a victim. And thank God they didn't look at me and they were like, mm, he's a victim. Don't, don't hug him. Don't introduce yourself to him. 
Don't pray for him. He ain't going to receive. Don't talk to him. Don't make eye contact with him. Don't you dare give him Oreos, because that's what we used to have, Oreos and Pop-Tarts. He's a victim. Don't do that. And I would have been dead. Not speaking to you guys. So I decided to look up the word victim. (laughs) Just because we use it so much, I was like, let's see what victim means. Let's see what it means. And um, I had written it down, but I'm just going to show you what I remember from it. Is that okay? Okay, cool. Actually, no. I know better than that. Victim is a person harmed, injured, suffered, killed as a result of a crime, accident, event, or action. So if you've ever been hurt, if you've ever been damaged, if you ever felt destroyed by it, if you've ever suffered, if you've ever been killed, according to the definition, you were a victim. I think the problem is we love to live from that place. We love to be like Adam, where the father that created created being damaged, being killed, being hurt, being destroyed, we allow him to rule our life. And so there's a person brave enough to be like, God loves you and he wants you to be his bride. Are you guys still with me? Okay. It's kind of cold in here. I turned the, turn the heat on. So what ends up happening is when you, you have this moment where you're hurt, you have two choices, right? It happened. One is you can still partner with the, the enemy, that father of lies who's transmitting more of that, more of the damage, more of the hurt, more of the pain. And guess what you're going to do? You're going to know what father you're listening to because your pattern's going to replicate itself. Are you guys with me? Okay, and it's okay, like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that's why I was a womanizer. I didn't know that's why I wanted to do drugs. I didn't know that's why, because I was hopeless. I was a victim. I was hurt. And there was no father that I knew that can change it and create something beautiful with it. Are you guys with me? And, and, and I started looking at these places of like, okay, God, so you make all things work together for the good of those that love God, right? And then there's a spirit here. And there's a spirit here that loves us, that wants to release us out of bondage. So then my question was like, well, then how, 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 do, we, how do we do that together? Show me in the Bible where that happened. And he was like, oh, did you forget what happened to Jesus? Did you forget what happened to him? If, if we go to Matthew 14, I just want to share one incident with him. In Matthew 14, verse 13, just to give you a little bit of context, because we're almost out of time. His, his, uh, his prophet, John the Baptist the guy that baptized him, the guy that technically introduced him to the Holy Spirit, even though he was the Holy Spirit now as God, but like that baptized him, brought him into the water, got him out, and then the Spirit came and him. Like, what a beautiful thing. I still remember everybody that's prayed for me. I remember everybody that prayed for me tonight. Like, everybody that prayed for me. Like, and you guys have a special place in my heart. You know what I mean? Like, when we share and have relationships, like, I can't imagine Jesus, who, who, who actually understands the heart behind anybody else, have this relationship with John the Baptist. And not only that, but like, it was also his family. It was his cousin. I don't know if you guys knew that. It was his cousin. And, and, and before that, John the Baptist is held prisoner. So I can't imagine how Jesus felt, right? It says he was fully human, fully God, but he still felt human stuff. So I can't imagine like how I would feel if my cousin was in jail or my dad was in jail. I'd be sad, right? But 
Not only does that happen, but he also finds out that they cut his head. Not only did they cut his head, they also put it on a silver platter. Not only did they put it on a silver platter, they also gave it to the person that hated him. Isn't that crazy? Like, I cannot imagine how Jesus felt in that moment. I, I would say he was probably hurting a little bit. He was suffering a little bit. He was in a place of, like, pain. Are you guys still with me? But yet it says in verse 13, when Jesus heard about it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. I know when I've been hurt, when I've been damaged, I want to go and be by myself. Okay? I love this part. This is, this is where God was showing me that no matter what situation you're in, there's something beautiful that God can do. But when the multitudes, say the multitudes, say the multitudes, heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them. Yeah, he actually didn't even give a chance for the father of lies to come into his life. You know why? Because of this next verse. And he healed their sick. Isn't that good? I don't know about you, but like, there's these places where I'm like, God, even though I've suffered there, even though I would be categorized as a victim, there's actually a place where you're able to move. There's actually a place where you're able to go and heal the sick. And then I thought about what Jesus did on the cross. I don't know about you, but I heard he was hurt. I heard he was whipped. I heard he suffered. I heard they put a crown of thrones of thorns on his head. I heard they mocked him. I heard they ridiculed him. I heard he had to carry this cross with a six-pack, you know, and walk. And then I heard he was broken. And I read that he was put on this tree for hours on this cross to bleed out. And then finally he was killed. Again, according to the definition of victim, I'm not saying Jesus is. I'm just telling you what I understand with victim and the definition behind it. Jesus was an innocent man. And people did this, whether it was on accident, I think they did it on purpose. Amen, right? But yet, when he allowed Holy Spirit to come, when he decided not to partner with the father of lies, but with the spirit that, that, <laughs> that does not lead people back into bondage or fear, when he decided to partner with the Holy Spirit, which was the grand plan all along, he actually created a place where he set the captives free. I think at the end of Matthew, it actually says that the saints that have been waiting for God actually got up out of the graves and met people in the cities. Isn't that awesome? That literally people came back to life. Not only that, he also met a guy named Raphael when he was at the lowest point in his life after he was dead 2,000 years later in a sanctuary and changed his life forever. That's what he did in a situation where he could have literally been like, I'm a victim, I can't do it. I'm just going to lay down and sleep. No, he decided to partner with God in this horrible situation that a man that, that in the past used hope to condemn the world. Jesus is using hope to liberate people. Isn't that good news? Like, there's no way if I didn't know Jesus, I'd be like, yeah, I got molested when I was five. And that's it. <laughs> There's nothing actually suicide. But instead, I'm like, I got molested when I was five. Let me tell you how God still uses me. Let me tell you how God was like, that's not going to define you ever again. Let me tell you how you can have conversations with your wife now. I literally had to be real with her. I'm like, am I less of a man because I got molested? And she's like, are you crazy? And she's crying. And she's like, you were five. But you know what? Shame and guilt and condemnation comes because the transmitter of death 
wants you to feel that way so you can never be free. So the captives can stay dead. So the people that are dead can stay dead. So the people that are, that are trying to die every single day can die. Are you guys with me? So close your eyes. Okay, I'm out of time, but we're going to make this work right here, okay? Because, because I don't know about you, but I get excited now. I get excited when I start, like my dad, the whole story of me telling you about my dad. I have no control there. I have no control. I have no control, but I'm like, God, there's something beautiful here. There's something beautiful you want to create, and dang it, I'm going to chase it. I'm going to chase it. I'm going to chase it. I don't care if my dad does die. I'm going to chase healing. I'm going to chase first place with you, God. I'm going to use hope. I'm going to visualize him healed, saved, and delivered, seeing his grandkids. That's, that's what I'm visualizing. That's the reality I want to create. But if he dies, at least I gave my all. At least I chose to create something beautiful with God rather than cry and keep going up for prayer over and over again, saying, make me feel better. No, God, heal him. So, in Acts 7, I, don't, I didn't give it to you, Vangie, that's okay. In Acts 7, I love it. The, the disciples are, are actually apostles now. And, and I love it. They created a restaurant. I call it a restaurant. They had a restaurant where they would feed the widows and they would feed the poor and they would preach. They would share the gospel. And uh, so I want to talk to the person in charge because we don't got no food here. I want some food. All right. Cheeseburgers, please. Okay. So they would preach the message. And, um, and what would happen is they're too busy preaching the message to people that they weren't able to go and give food to people. And so the widows were mad. They're like, hey, you're missing us. You're, you're missing with us. So what the disciples did, the apostles, is they grabbed all of the, um, they grabbed uh, all these people that they thought were good people, and they laid hands on them to equip them to go and serve. Isn't that crazy? So they equipped, the, the apostles laid hands on these people to go and be waiters, to go and love on people. And as they did that, it said that they were full with power and they were full with boldness. And one of the guys that came out of that group, his name was Stephen. And he had so much boldness that he preached the message to thousands and saved their lives. He was later stoned to death and died. But as he was dying, he was just like Jesus. He was like, God, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Saw heaven and he was there. But the part that got me was like, they laid hands for them to serve food and they were full with power. What, what happens when, when people who have a relationship with God lay hands on you and the pain that you have in your heart? What do you get filled up with? What power comes out of you? Are you guys with me? Do you guys get what I'm trying to say? This is what I'm trying to say. What we're going to do is if any of this touch your heart, we're going to have pastors up here. We're going to have prophets up here. We're going to have the faculty. We're going to have elders up here. And what they're going to do is they're going to lay hands on you. If you've ever been hurt, if you've ever suffered anything, I would just, you, it doesn't even have to be molestation. It could just be that, that somebody discriminated against you and you hated it. Okay, a place where you felt hurt, where you lost somebody. And what these people are going to do is they're going to lay hands on you and they're going to empower you so Holy Spirit can come into that situation and they're going to change your heart to, so you can go and create something beautiful with God with any situation that comes to you. Are you, are you guys with me? You guys getting what I'm saying? Okay, cool. So, if pastors, if you guys can come up here real quick, faculty. I know you guys have to go. It's 9.06. It's just going to be a quick thing. 
Feel free to come up here. Pastors? Yeah. Let's get it. Let's do it. Yay. And these are people that pour into my life every single day, that love you. Uh, Mr. Kevin, you come up here too. There you go. And if you've ever been hurt, if anything that I was saying actually resonated inside your hearts and you're like, ooh, like I can feel that or I agree with that, I just want you to come up because they're just going to lay hands with you and they're going to pray over you and equip you with power so you can change your situation forever. Are you guys with me? Okay. So Holy Spirit, we love you. Thank you for this time. God, thank you that I didn't chicken out. Oh, man, God, I did not want to do this. And I know I'm speaking to somebody. I did not want to come up here and do this. I did not want to come up here. And God, please don't let my parents ever hear this message. I do not want their hearts to break. (laughs) They still don't know. Not that I know of. Yeah. But I could have chickened out. But instead, I decided to deliver a message just for the chance of somebody to be healed, saved, delivered, equipped with power to change their everyday life. So Holy Spirit, thank you for touching hearts. Thank you for the confidence and the boldness that you put in them. We love you. You're a good dad. Thank you, Jesus. And again, if any of it triggered your heart, don't leave this room without just at least getting hands laid on. You don't even have to talk about what it is. Okay? Don't leave this room. Okay? It's an invitation from Holy Spirit, not from Rafa. It's a place where God wants to create something beautiful in your life. So Holy Spirit, we love you. We thank you. Maybe we have a little tunes going so it's not that awkward. Yeah, thank you for my wife, Lord. All right, but right before I say amen, close your heart. I mean, close your heart. No, keep your heart open. Keep your heart open. God, keep your heart open, please. Close your eyes. Just put your hand on your heart. That's all we're going to do, okay? And we're going to dig into a really uncomfortable place, but we're just going to say underneath your breath, Holy Spirit, is there any place in my heart where I have been hurt, where I have suffered, where I have been full of damage, or maybe a part of me has been killed that you actually want to restore to its original intent, where you actually want to father me, where you want to transmit and create something beautiful in me. So I become more of a dependent on you, more of a son to you, more of a follower to you. Yeah, and it's only Holy Spirit that can do this. So Holy Spirit, we give you full permission. Love you. You're a good daddy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your time. Amen.